If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Mabool-Samage from Guidehouse Insights. I'm Rebecca Lindland from Rebecca Drive. Let's um, get to the garage talk about cars. Uh, so, Rebecca, you are in the... Um, the 2020 Buick Encore GX, and I want to know what difference the differentiates the Encore GX from the rest of the Encore lineup. And because you're an Encore owner on your own, I want to I want to see how the new one stacks up to uh, was it Coco? Coco, yes. <laughs> So yes, so for our listeners um, who may not know, Coco is my personal vehicle. She's a 2015 Buick Encore uh, chocolate brown uh, with butterscotch interior. And she's just such a good little car. I know people people laugh at me, um, but I love my little Encore. So wait, wait, wait. What? Yeah. Why would they laugh at you? Oh, because people mock me all the time for having a Buick Encore. Because, because, because I, I guess I'm supposed to have something cooler. I, I love her. Is that just because you live in Greenwich, Connecticut? Um, no, it's actually my friends. Uh, it's it's my friends out on the West Coast. Oh, that that mock me profusely. Oh, I think well, it's yeah, and I, maybe a part of it is because you're driving things like Aston Martins back to back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could do it as well. But no, I think you know when you add, so so the Encore GX is in the middle of of it, it it's in between the Encore that's out today, um, but it's smaller than the Envision. So I sort of call it like the Goldilocks version. And it's really designed to, for, I mean, the Encore is small. So the Encore competes with like the Nissan Juke, the Jeep Renegade, uh, the, the Honda HRV, and then the, but the, and then the Envision in, in Buick's mind, the Envision goes more towards the CRV, the the Tiguan, the Rav Four, the Equinox, vehicles like that, and they see the Encore GX as as competing a little bit more in that space, sort of sort of in the middle of those two between a compact SUV and a and a, a small SUV and a compact SUV. But it's not. But it's the same size as the existing Encore, right? No, it's a little bit longer. It's a little bit is it? bigger. Oh, okay. It is just ever so slightly. Um, it's a little bit beefier for sure. It fell. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can grab the dimensions. Um, uh, it is longer for sure. And it's a little bit wider also. It definitely felt like a larger vehicle. Well, than I mean, there's, there's five cubic feet more uh, cargo space and three cubic feet... Uh... 
Uh, well, it's 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 five cubic feet more than the Encore and three cubic feet smaller than the Envision, so that really really tightly fits it does. <laughs> in but, between the two. And I do, so the other thing that they've done is they have moved the Encore down um, price wise. They're not offering like leather in the Encore anymore, so they're really positioning the Encore as very much of an entry level vehicle, whereas the Encore GX is more for a buyer like myself who wants some more creature comforts. And this thing definitely had a, a really nice level of creature comforts. So the other thing that they did, there's two separate engines. There's a 1.2 liter turbo and a 1.3 liter turbo. Very, very small differences. Frankly, I'm not quite sure why they even bothered with the 1.2 except for price point. So the 1.2, 137 horsepower, uh, with 162 uh, foot pounds, uh, pounds foot of torque, uh, the 1.3 liter, which is what I drove, what has 155 horsepower, uh, 174 pounds foot of torque. Um, it, it was a CVT actually, which is how you get the front wheel drive. I was surprised at how good the CVT was. I'm not a huge fan of CVTs. They whine worse than little Lucy, my cat. But this one was actually really good and I appreciated it. It was, it was, it just didn't have that whininess to it. Now the all wheel drive has the nine speed automatic. I haven't driven that one yet. So I'll be curious to see how that compares, but yeah, you know, I just, what, what I liked about the GX is you know, this one was fully loaded, $34,000. It just, you know, it has a lot of safety features to it. It had super easy, seamless connectivity, which, you know me, I can break any kind of technology. And this one worked out really, really well. Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. I, of course, it has, you know, the Wi-Fi that GM's had forever in their vehicles. And I don't know, it's just such a good little car. Like, you know, I everyone I showed it to really thought it was nice looking, and again, for 34000 I think it had a level of quietness and refinement that I don't always find in, say, the, the CRV, uh, you know, or the RAV4. And, and I really, really appreciated that. I think the fit and finish, the materials that they used, all of those features just, I, I don't know, I felt like I, I felt like I was really in a really nice premium vehicle not a luxury vehicle but pretty close to that though like just a good price point I, I felt like I really liked it um when you talk about the connectivity did you use um I'm assuming you used CarPlay and uh no I used a... Android Auto oh, okay um it, it, it wasn't wireless right it was you, you plugged it in with a you, you do plug it in you do plug okay. it in but but it worked very very well I yeah. was I, Unfortunately, I didn't use Amazon Alexa because I'm really curious to see how that because I haven't been able to figure that out quite yet. <laughs> yeah. But um, And you can also do multiple Bluetooth pairings. So it's funny because like when my nephew Jake, when when he's been driving Coco a lot, but when I get in the car, then the car you know, it sort of fights for pairing. Right. Because mm. his phone is paired. My phone is paired. It's like whose phone's paired on the GX. You can actually have multiple phones paired at the same time. Right, so you could use one source for like music and then another for phone. Right, exactly. Yeah, or, or you know, if you've got a couple, you know, and you, you know, the driver wants to have their phone 
hooked up, you know, to use as the phone, you know, or, or even, you know, to switch back and forth between the music sources you're playing, you know, to, in order to maintain marital bliss, um, you know, to let somebody else take control. Yeah. That's, that takes a while to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah. I'm curious about uh, the powertrains too. Like you say, like they're right on top of each other. It really is like a 10 pound foot difference in torque and uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. So what they did was uh, they actually added more technology to the 1.3 liter. So it actually gets better fuel economy. It gets better highway. Uh, it, it actually has a better zero to 60. It does have higher horsepower. I really think that that 1.2 is strictly for price point. It's strictly so that they can you know, start it at a low price. That's crazy to me that like adding an extra engine that they don't expect anybody to buy is going to allow them to make it cheaper. I, just, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, what's, what's, what's odd is that the price differential between the base GX and the, the base regular Encore is only $900. The, you know, it's 20, 23,200 for the Encore and 24,100 for the GX, you know, so, I mean, it's not, it's not a huge price differential and it almost seems like, it, like you said, Dan, it would have made more sense to just have the one powertrain, even if they maybe did two different, you know, offer it, you know, base model, base front wheel drive model with the CVT and, you know, the, um, the upload, you know, the up level trims with the nine speed or something like that. Yeah. But having these different combinations is odd. Yes, it is. I mean, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Encore goes away at some point in time. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just, it doesn't probably, really it is probably a transition. And are you guys having audio issues with me? Nope. Does it sound bit. weird? Nope. Hmm. Okay. I don't know what's going on. We never have issues with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> I said, we never have issues with you. No, no I know. <laughs> I am the queen of no issues. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I, so, yeah. So it, it definitely steps on top of each other for sure. I, but I do think I, I imagine that the encore will probably go away fairly soon. Well, you know, I think what makes it a good fit for a lot of people and, and po- probably be the reason why you, you actually bought one with your own money is that it's, it's just, it's a good size. It's still handy. This would be a hatchback um, if it weren't a mm. crossover, you know, and it's just, it's just a handy car. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I thought it was nice looking. I thought it was, it was a great price point and my mom could get in and out of it easily. Right. It was really well, that's, that's actually, yeah, that's really important, right? The crossover thing has, has uh, kept ride height low like cars, but has brought up that hip point so that exactly. it's easier to get in and out of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, I, th- I thought it was, it was just a really, it's really, really good solid car. And again, the level of refinement I feel like is there, whereas I don't always feel like that in, in uh, in some of their competitors moss is probably the closest uh but you know i i complain a lot about road road noise and such and nvh and that's why i just i gravitate towards Buick because it's such a nice quiet ride and i really do appreciate that well you know they are a doctor's car you feel (laughs) do you feel feel like you can cure things uh i think too looking at it um and this sort of ties into the uh, the car I'm driving this week. What did you think 
of the interior design and materials, one of the things I, I actually like about the Encore is that it doesn't have a screen that's like an afterthought. You know, it ha- it's integrated more smoothly. I, I love an integrated screen. Now, I will say I didn't like, and this is very picky, but I had to use it a couple of times. I didn't like where the hazard button was. It's all the way on the right side. And I had to reach like lunge for it. And there were times when we were, there's a construction zone right on my way home on the highway. And sometimes they keep changing it. So people don't really know what it's doing. Like every lane, you know, every day lane is different. And, you know, the people that are driving these days are driving very aggressively. And so there have been times when I have to throw on my hazards because we're stopping suddenly and it really lunges over there. But otherwise, I thought that it was really, really ergonomically designed very well. I do love that integrated screen. I agree with you, Dan. I hate when it's sort of just stuck on like, oh, yeah, we forgot there's a screen here. And I always think, well, someday maybe we'll just put our own phones there. Um, But I think the again the interior is really nice, huge sunroof, uh, you know, just easy access. Everything sort of just went where where I expected it to be, um, which I liked. The only thing, and I will tell you, I've told you this already, I would have loved to have had ventilated seats. Uh, so it has heated seats and heated steering wheel, but I would have very much appreciated to have ventilated seats. Okay, I wish Buick would try to sell them. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a decent, uh, decent car, and and uh, my experience in that sort of class of GM vehicle is that they're all they're pretty good, actually. They really are. I mean, and that engine, you know, the, again, the one point three liter, it has plenty of pickup. You know, certainly didn't have any hesitation on the highway, uh, and again, that CVT was fantastic. So hopefully, in the winter time, I'll get an all wheel drive with a nine speed. And when do we ever say a CVT is fantastic? I seriously, <laughs> no, seriously, right? Pretty, pretty much this and the Nissan Maxima. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I haven't driven a Maxima in a long time. <laughs> now that I think about that. Um, all right, we, we won't diverge. Uh, you also had the Hyundai Sonata Hybrid, which I I drove not too long ago, and I was really impressed by that. Um, what What did you think? <laughs> That thing was fabulous. What did you get for mileage with it? Oh, you know what? Shoot, I meant to look it up. Um, Let me just talk to you while we, because I I know, I know I did really, really well with the mileage. I want to say I got like 48 and a half. Yeah, I I got something higher with it too. Yeah. And that was not trying. Like I was not hypermiling at all. Uh, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But I loved it because I actually have a Prius this week. What I love about the Hyundai Sonata hybrid is that it is a hybrid with absolutely no compromises. You are, you are like, it has every luxury. I mean, the Prius has, it has a, it doesn't have a power seat. It has, you know, it has the manual seat, a fully manual seat, and it has a, it has the manual brake. I mean, it's a lot of compromises and we'll talk about that in the next episode, but this Sonata was just absolutely fantastic. It, it just, it was, it was just a beautiful looking. I, you know, I really, I got to really appreciate the new design on it. I think actually I would have loved to have had it be a hatchback because it has that really cool roof line and, and cool sloping roof. I feel like they could have kind of snuck one in. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of those cars that, that, you know, sedans, modern sedans that really should be hatchbacks. And right. why, why they don't build them that way, I will never know. 
Well, especially because they can do them, you know, so many of them nowadays, you can sneak it in, you know, right? And the other thing, too, that I really appreciated on the Sonata was the different drive modes. You could actually feel the difference when you were driving it in sport mode. Like, it made a difference. And that was a lot of fun because, again, a lot of times you don't get that impression. Like, it's like, okay, whatever. But this time it was actually like I really felt the difference. And that was fun. That was nice. Yeah, I I agree, though. Like, you know, Hyundai, they do it already with the... I mean, it's not Hyundai, it's the Kia Stinger, but they, they had a hatchback in that. And yes. it doesn't harm the look of the car at all uh, to have that that big hatch hidden there. Um, and I, I did find when I had the Sonata Hybrid, I was impressed with how the hybrid stuff doesn't get in the way like it used to. You know, we all, we've been trying out hybrid sedans for, for decades now. Um, one of the first press cars I ever got was an Altima Hybrid. Uh, and oh. you know, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> that's it was so unfortunate. <laughs> it was fine for the time. Well, no, actually no, it, for the time, it was actually not either, but it felt like a project, um, but an, an unfinished one, <laughs> but you don't, you know, like the batteries used to be in the trunk, you'd lose your pass through or your fold down seats. Like n- none of that applies to the Snatter. You're right. It, it doesn't really compromise at all. What you, where you compromise is the style because of that fast roof line, um, you wind up with a, a trunk that, you know, it's not a, not a bad size trunk. I think it's like 15 cubic feet or, or but yeah, so. no, it's a small opening. Yeah. You just can't that, get anything in. That's, yeah. that's why all these things should be hatchbacks. So, you know, you open it up, you have this big opening, you know, you have lots of space in there, but you also have the ability to access that space, which is a problem with sedans. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, or you could just do a station wagon, you know, which would be the correct right. approach. I mean, a Sonata <laughs> wagon would look pretty great. Yeah. Like, the the car itself. And it's funny too. Like this is a car that when I first saw it in pictures, I was like, ah, it's kind of fishy looking. Um, when you see it in person, it looks a lot more striking. There's a lot of detail in the design mm. that you don't necessarily pick up uh, or just like a lot of thoughtfulness, not necessarily detail. Cause it's, it's pretty clean. But there's a lot of thoughtfulness in it. Just the way that, you know, there's that that uh, body line um, sort of on the lower lower part of the doors. And if you look, you know, it's it's got a deeper draw at the 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 front edge of the front door and the rear edge of the rear door. So it, it's like it thins out in the middle a little bit because the it's, so it looks like the the, the body works and it has a, a little bit of a bulge in the middle. And it's just like a, a simple, subtle thing like that, but it, it that gives life to the, the sheet metal. And it, it just, it, I thought it's a really striking design in person when you sort of stand back and contemplate it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it, it, it's really, really nice. And I, and I have to correct myself. I actually, it looks like I primarily average overall. I was at 46. That's about what I got with it. Oh, and again, what a I slacker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now there I, was a, there's there was a trip though. One of my first trips, I got forty nine. So that must have been mostly highway. Um, but still, I mean, just phenomenal. But you're right. I mean, the styling of it is really high end. It it's a looker. I mean, people turn around and look at it and like, what is that thing? And you know, the front end, I think it's very kind of shark like, but but in a good way. Like there's, it's very expressive. You know, because there's yeah. there's been some shark like attempts that are not that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's Leave a good it to shark. Another. Leave it to the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, but I also found the sort of the flip side of that as well. It doesn't. It's not offensive um, inside. It's cabin 
in materials wise and stuff isn't isn't quite as high end as its design you know and it's it's not that's not bad every car has to sort of have a compromise and has to be built for a price i liked the ergonomics and stuff how did you feel about the sort of materials and then operating the car yeah, no. Well, one of the things I really liked were was the side cameras where it lights up your blind spots, the, the digital dash, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and how it lights up the, and I thought that, so you put your turn signal on and the video, there's a video that starts and it's basically, a, it, it'll, it'll uh, illuminate and, and, and show you a video of your blind sides on, on either side, which was really cool. And the other thing I love is a little reminder when the car in front of you starts going, moving forward, it dings and says, and says the vehicle in front of you is moving. And I think it says, um, I, I just love that. I thought that was really cool. The other thing is that I, I don't, when I, when I stopped at one point and pulled over to take pictures and I closed, so the car was on, I closed the door and it and I got and then I um I got back in and it says vehicle will will be turned off automatically and it basically says in 30 minutes. So you know how cause some people have left their hybrid on not realizing the car is still basically on because it's quiet. So th- so it will turn itself off in 30 minutes, which I think is again a very thoughtful feature in case you know, because it is easy to do when you've got a lot on your mind that you don't realize that you haven't turned off your car. Um, but I didn't, I mean, I thought the interior, I liked it. I thought the materials were fine. You know, it's for $36,000. It's a really, really nice vehicle. Yeah, I think, I think they're fine, but they're just fine. You know, the design is good. I, inside and out, I can't fault the design. I like the way it, it's executed. Um, but you know, if we're going to be picky, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've driven worse. Uh, I, mean, I, I, would... I, I you know, I've seen worse interiors for sure at that price point too. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would say you know this this is very close to the the class of the field, which I still think is the Mazda six uh, in terms of its interior. You know, this this is very nearly as good. Um, and you know, I, I like I agree with you, Rebecca. I I like the thing that Hyundai is doing with the uh, the side cameras. Uh, and displaying when you put on the turn signal, displaying that in the digital instrument cluster, um, and you know they do that. They have that in the Palisade as well, and I yes. think they'll they'll be rolling that out to other models. And you know, compared to you know, it's it's a similar concept to what Honda has done with their Lane Watch system in the past, which I is know, what we have on our Civic. So much better. <laughs> it, it, this this is actually useful because it's in yes. front of you. It's not over in the center screen. And it's on it's on both sides, so right. you know, both on the left and the right. Whereas the Honda Lane Watch was only for the right hand camera, so basically all you could see was the cur- if you were too close to the curb, you know, when you're making a right hand turn. Uh, you know, other than that, it doesn't really tell you anything useful. Whereas this, you know, actually shows you, you know, what you know, what you would see if your mirrors were perfectly aimed. And it's great resolution too. Like it mm-hmm. is like, it's like, oh my gosh, you are right there. You know, that's the other thing too, is that all the cameras um, and the the rear camera, all of that was super high resolution. And just, just again, like there's just that really, really good quality for a really good price and just incredible, incredible fuel economy. And that's what to me was the best part of it. So you're just not compromising you know, just because you want, because you prioritize fuel economy. 
You know, I think the only thing you compromise on right now with it is uh, you can't get all wheel drive. Right. And, and actually, as I said, I have a Prius and it actually is all wheel drive. Oh, um, you have the all wheel drive Prius. There you go. Yes. But they, yeah, but right. they make you pay. <laughs> they do make you pay. Exactly. Because, because it looks like a Prius. <laughs> Tune right. in next week. Yeah. But, the, but the Prius is a hatchback too. So like that's, see, that's interesting. You know, like uh, the Sonata is a little nicer, certainly a little more stylish. It's a little more traditional sedan. Uh, it's a lot more stylish. It's a lot more. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, well, everything about the Sonata is better. Except its utility, perhaps. And so if you're yeah. buying a car to use it, you know, see, uh, uh, I don't know. I'd rather be in the Sonata. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the Sonata doesn't hurt your eyes every time you walk up to it. Wow. Uh, even. St- oh, yeah, I guess I was going to say even still, you don't like the Prius, but uh, yeah, the Prius did not. The, the Prius drives it's fine, yeah. but, you know, it's hideous. I mean, it, they- got, it got pretty ugly for this generation. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, it's it's atrocious. <laughs> no, no. I, I, when I was taking pictures earlier today of the Prius, I saw another one and I, and it was actually that same, cause this one is like that, they call it sea glass, but it's that like insipid pale green. And so there was an older one and it looked just the same. <laughs> it was yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that's, that's the, uh, that's the point you have to um, conserve uh, with your conspicuous consumption rather mm. conspicuously. Um, well, you know what? Let's stick with uh, Hyundai Group here, and we'll skip to uh, Sam. You're in the uh, the 2020 Genesis G90, and we touched on this car when I, I talked to um, my friends uh, John Paul and George Kennedy. I, I did a little uh, sort of um, mini episode, which we can we can put out uh, in the next few days, uh, but. We picked this as the New England Motor Press Association sort of luxury car uh, of the of of the official luxury car of New England. Or, or um, we have categories. We do the winter car of the year, and we broke it into categories this year. And so the G ninety won. And uh, I haven't had a chance to drive it yet, but man, it's good looking. I just I it, love it to, is. Uh, Although stare at I, it. <laughs> I I do I do still find that grill overwhelming. I think. I think it's too much grill for this car, but aside from that, everything else about it, I think looks great, you know, for a big, you know, classical luxury sedan. Um, you know, I think it's overall proportions are fantastic. I love the wheels that were on the car that I had on the, you know, the one, the one I had was um, the uh, rear wheel drive premium with 3.3 liter turbo. Does and, it have those flat wheels? Uh, like the I wheels mean, are very like, they're they're flat in the middle, but there's you know like a, a lace pattern yeah, uh, around the perimeter. They, I, well, I, think, I think they look. So. I think they look really good on this one. Um, I, it's so funny because we have similar taste in houses and furniture and things, but those <laughs> rims, I'm just not. That is just not my jam. Well, you yeah. know what they remind me of? They remind me of like Mercedes wheels from the from the 80s and 90s. Yes, and they, maybe that's the problem. They're they're flat, like they have a high positive offset. Um, so they, they don't have much dish to them. So it's, it's a look. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Go, sorry, I, think Sam, it, go I think it works on this car, you know, and I, I just dropped uh, a photo in the, uh, in the slack. So you can see which one yeah, I had. That's exactly the one yeah. that I had on the okay. drive and it's, the same color and everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I do still think that, you know, especially, you know, when you look at the, you know, 
the photos that I had, you can very, where the way the sun was hitting it, you can very clearly see where the opening is in the grill, you know, where there's an actual opening for airflow versus where the grill is. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you're going to do a massive grill like that, you know, do do it in a way that, you know, you, you hide that or, you know, so it's not so obvious. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and I'm sure you'll post it on the site, but yeah. that that picture in particular, because I have a, a picture on my site um, from the launch uh, back in December, I think, and it's not visible at all. But again, it's just an angle thing. But you're right. That looks not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but aside from that, I really like the rest of this car. You know, well, first of all, the back seat in this thing is just enormous. It's huge. It's a living room. Yeah, there's so much space in there. Um, you know, and you know, this one has you know the seats that you can adjust individually and everything. And there's the the massive center armrest that you can fold down. That's got controls on there for the climate control and the audio and everything. And you know, and in the front, you know, the the way that you know they have the fit and finish and the materials and the, the way everything's integrated in this thing. I think. You know, it's just really, really nice. And Rebecca, when you and I were at the LA show and we were sitting in the GV80 and yeah. you, were, you were commenting on the, um, the knobs, you know, the knurling on the knobs. Well, the G90, when it got its refresh this year, they did the same stuff to that. So, you know, the center, the center control knob, you know, has the really nice machined knurling yes, around the perimeter of it and, and on some of the other switches, so the climate control switches and the volume knobs, things like that. Uh, so it, it really feels like a, like a precision instrument. You know, if you've ever had a really nice pair, you know, set of calipers, you know, things like that, you know, really good tools, they feel like that. And that's what this feels like. And, you know, the interior trim, the wood trim, you know, I, am, I have never been a fan of high gloss wood veneer finishes in cars. I think, I don't know, that even, even on a Rolls Royce, you know, or a Bentley, I've always thought they looked kind of tacky. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I do love you know matte finish, open pour wood veneer, and you know this ha- this has it across the dashboard and the center console, and I think it, it looks and feels great, really feels authentic, um, you know. And this is a big car, and you know it drives like a big car. It doesn't it doesn't feel like a G seventy <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but you know it doesn't wallow, but it it definitely feels softer than either a G eighty or a G seventy. You know, it's got, it's got a certain softness to it, but it's not, it's not, what, what were you going to say? Who among us doesn't? Well, cause I, <laughs> in my review, I wrote, it's an exercise in floatiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, you know, I remember, you know, growing up in the, in the eighties, you know, seventies and eighties, you know, and driving in, you know, Cadillacs of that era. And I mean, those things, you know, they just wallowed all over the place. This is nothing like that. By modern standards, it's floaty, but, you know, it's still reasonably well controlled. Um, You know, it's the G90 is not the car that I would choose for myself from the Genesis lineup. You know, that would be probably the G70. But, you know, if you're looking for a big, massive luxury sedan, you know, this is a great alternative to something like a 7 Series or, you know, um, even, you know, a lower end S-Class. And it's a hell of a lot more affordable. You know, this one, you know, was pretty much loaded. I don't, I can't remember. Did they offer all-wheel drive on this? 
I don't know if yes, they do or not. All-wheel drive yeah. is available. Yeah, this one was rear-wheel drive, but it had pretty much everything else on it. You know, it came to $73,000, which, you know, is not inexpensive, but, you know, compared to something comparable from Germany, you know, it's probably a good twenty dollars to $25,000 cheaper, uh, if not more. Yeah, so my so I the one that I tested was seventy two two, which actually excluded the roughly thousand dollars in destination, and then the top trim is seventy nine two with destination, and that's the G ninety five point ultimate. So that's with the five liter V eight, yeah. which I don't think is worth it. I mean, no, I mean the the, the twin turbo V six has got more than enough power for right? you know for this car, three hundred and sixty five horsepower. You know, you're not going to be driving it like a sports car, but it's got right. more than enough thrust to you know to accelerate. You know, when you're merging on highways and things like that. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I think it's a it, the interior is absolutely beautiful. I I agree with you. I love that matte open pore wood. I think that that's. And just the leather, those all those fit and finishes, those the touch points, I think, I are are really really lovely. I do think that, uh, you know, it, it's it's a, almost generic, uh, in that I don't there I want a more a little bit more tech feel to it. I think, but that's not what this customer wants anyway. No. So you know, keeping in mind who the customer is, I you know I I do think that. If you want something that is a little bit more athletic, you would go towards like the Audi A8. Um, but as you say, you are going to pay or, more. Or even the G80. Or even, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the G80 is fantastic. And there's, I think, a new one coming out shortly as well. Uh, yeah, they've already shown it in Korea. And- yeah. And then the GV80 is coming out, their SUV, which I'm very excited to see as well. So I think I... You know, I think that there's a lot of good things about the Genesis brand. Um, and, and as Dan said, you know, it, it certainly is incredibly award winning across the board. You know, all three of their sedans have done really, really well uh, in a variety of tests and, and consumers. Yeah, the only, the only place where they failed such. is in sales. Right. <laughs> Which well, is because they don't have the GV80. I think that everything really hinges on the success of that one. Yeah. It does, but they also, you know, <laughs> They've done some good marketing. I like the fact that they're sponsoring the PGA, things like that. You know, I, I, they're, they're and, and I've told them this, so I can say this, their website is brutal, but getting people to the website, I think is part, is part of the challenge. And, you know, people, there, there was a lot of confusion with the Genesis name, the brand, because it started out as a model. And right. so that's caused them you know, that, that has caused them some delays. Erwin uh, Raphael, who was a, a really a, a fine executive for the brand, has moved now, gotten promoted up to Hyundai corporate. Uh, so, you know, there's some, and, and of course, Manfred Fitzgerald uh, has, was, I don't know what happened, separated from the company, we'll call it. Uh, you know, he had, he had come from Lamborghini and was, and was very, from a, an aesthetic standpoint, very much fit the brand really well uh, and you know did did what he could with the products that he had and it's just unfortunate that they didn't let him execute further on the you know on the gv80 and such yeah they brought over uh, mark del rosso last fall from yes. audi to run uh, genesis north america so you know we'll see see what he can do with it there there is one other 
little detail that I thought was really cool uh, in this in this G8 uh, G90. Um, in the back, it, you, there's power sunshades for the side windows on the back doors, and also yeah. for the rear window. And one of the nice little details is if you have the the rear sunshade uh, up, you know, so it's it's blocking off the light from the from the back window. When you put it in reverse, it automatically retracts while you're backing up. Oh, that is cool. And, yeah. And then when as soon as you put it back in drive, it goes back up again. These are the things that I think Genesis and Hyundai, and to some extent Kia as well, have they do really well. These small touches that bring an, an emotional appeal like that's that's emotionally satisfying when that happens it's, it's you know sort of like the digital dash um, you know side view camera that we talked about like that's emotionally pleasing that says i like that that's a good thing and that's what i think this brand does all three of these of the hyundai group brands do really really well is that they those little those little emotionally satisfying touches so I just have to say a quick word too while we're on the topic of Genesis. So Luke Donkerwolk, whose name I never say right, um, he he resigned back in April, and I just want to wish him well. He's a really really good guy, and I think he's going through some personal issues that I won't get into. But um, I just I hope he is resting at home comfortably and doing okay because he's a really really good guy. But he had to resign more for personal reasons than anything. So keep him in mind in your thoughts. Yeah. Well, when we launch our car brand, we'll keep him in mind to, uh, <laughs> you know, come, come design. Yeah. It. Come design for us for sure. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's finish up the, the driveway slash garage. I managed to get myself uh, into a Cadillac XT4 350T with the um, sport package. So it has some blacked out trim. Um, you know, the, the grill and the window trim and stuff. And, uh, it's a, a nice shade of like pumpkin spice orange. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> it, it is. This is a really, really well styled car. I mean, it's one of those designs. Again, the more you stand back and contemplate it, the more you see the thought that was put into the design and it's really refined and really uh, just, just, just fantastic looking. How's the interior? Uh, you know, the top, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the top third is Cadillac and then the bottom two thirds is Chevy. Um, and that's sort of the, the running theme. You know, I think it does a lot of things, right. You know, the XT4 is the right size. It's priced pretty well. It looks great. It's even driving. Um, it's half good, half bad. Uh, the half good is that you know the controls all feel good. The the weighting of the steering is is like dead on. Um, there's even this you know the control stocks and stuff all feel pretty good. The ergonomics are really good. I, I liked that uh, very much. Like you said with the um, the Encore GX stuff just works and you know even the infotainment is uh pretty good when you especially when you compare it to you know like the the lexus nx that it's going to be cross-shopped with that's just not good yeah <laughs> um the 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 areas i think where it, it sort of leaves a little uh to be desired uh is the it's a little loud um, in terms of the engine note and it's not a great engine note. So it either needs to, to be more refined sounding or just quieter. Uh, 
it's almost like they went a little too much toward the sporty idea. Like it, it looks, it looks athletic. So it has to deliver that feeling. And I think it it can look as athletic as they want to make it look, but really they should make it smooth. And it just feels over eager when you drive it, you know, it's, it's noticeably downshifts at stop signs. Like it's trying stuff. too hard. Yeah. It's just like chill. I understand. Yeah. You know, the, the engine is great. That the, I think it's a two liter turbo, uh, four cylinder, fantastic. Lots of power. And I did find that if you actually drive it in anger, you know, fling it around a turn and put your foot down, uh, it handles pretty well. It's, it, you know, it, it, it'll boil up the front tire, even though it has the twin clutch, um, uh, the dual clutch all wheel drive. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, predictable in terms of handling it, it, so it delivers on the sport if you drive it that way, but mm. nobody's going to drive it that way. So maybe, yeah. like, just well, and, and that you know therein you know lies the problem. You, know, you talked about the the engine note, you know, and it's it'd be one thing if they tried to make you know just the sport sound like that. Right. The problem is you know the premium lux sounds the same way. You know I uh, you know I did I went on the the XT4 launch drive out in in Seattle a couple of years ago. And, you know, I got a chance to drive both the premium Lux and the sport. And from the noise, the NVH perspective, there was no real difference between the two. The engine was just as loud in the premium Lux. And, you know, that, you know, that's the fundamental, that, that the NVH is the single biggest complaint I had about the XT4 other than maybe the value proposition. But, you know, the, the both road noise and the engine, you know, were, were too noisy, I thought, for a car at that price point in that segment. Yeah, it's Isn't weird. Isn't that for... annoying? Because they do Buick so well. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Like, well, what's up with that? It, and it's weird. Like, I was actually checking to see um, if the Encore and the XT4 share platforms, and they don't. This actually, it feels like exactly what I thought it felt like, which is a, um, a sort of premiumized Equinox. Yeah, <laughs> which, uh, which is like it's fine, but you don't want it to be fine. You want it to be like, wow, that's good. Yeah. And it, they made the suspension too stiff. Um, so while it it does deliver on the handling, again, just just make it make it smoother, make it make it go over bumps a little better. Uh, because the it's it's not like the structure is is soft. You know, it's it, it feels solid. So it's I, I find it weird to to be an enthusiast and a driving enthusiast and to be saying like, this one really feels like it, it needs more, more damping in all aspects. Like it just mm. needs to be well, a little bit there, calmer. There, the premium Lux is a little better. The premium yeah. luxury, get, you know, gives you a slightly softer tuning. Um, and the, the ride quality is a little better, but it's still noisy. Yeah. And, and that's like, I guess I could, I could probably get used to the engine note. Um, but it's not a great engine note, you know, it, it, it sounds pretty good from outside. Uh, you know, it's, it sounds like a sporty four cylinder and, and I just feel like maybe they were a little confused and they kind of missed their target. Cause you got to understand that the, probably th- this is going to be a vehicle that skews probably towards the women buyers of a certain age. And, mm-hmm. and that's a, a wide cohort. You know, you've got women buyers from 35 to like 80. That are going to look at this thing because it's just the perfect size. It's roomy behind the back seat. It's got the power hatch. It's comfy. It's easy to use. It's easy to drive. It's a Cadillac. It looks really good. Like it, it hits all the high notes and then you just, you drive it and you're like, meh, it's kind of shabby. So, well, it's funny because the quote that they have on the site says, we were successful in capturing the Cadillac essence 
in a really small athletic package. A really small? I don't like. Oh, by Cadillac standards, it is small. Yeah, yeah, but really small? Like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, that's not how, that doesn't make me want to buy it. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think too, like the athletic, you should not, they should not have focused on the athleticism because I think they, that does them a disservice. It, Mm. it, that's going to be a turnoff. Um, it is a turnoff for me and I like cars that are athletic. I just, it's it, just not the car to be like that. Um, and everything else is, is, is pretty good. You know, even when, so once you're in it and you close the door, uh, that top third of materials is nice. Like I said, you know, the bottom of the door panels, the, you know, under the armrest that can be less expensive. And the, the problem that, that GM has with all their press cars lately too, is all the interiors are black. So I can't really mm. tell how it's going to present. Um, and, and I, I, for me, the, the different colors actually make it look a little bit more premium, especially if there's a nice rich Brown or a tan in there, it makes it feel richer. Um, so that may be my psychology. No, there's a lot of black in there Yeah, and black can can look really cheap. Um, I mean, I'm just looking, looking online. Is that the only, is, I'm wondering if they may they only, be really restrictive with the colors. Yeah, which I understand. You know, I appreciate that for for cost and simplicity. But as you say, like that interior. OK, so they have so in the sport, they do have they've got Sedona, jet black leatherette. Yeah, jet black leather. And they've got a couple of whites. But you're right. The the dash does not really change that much and and the problem is the competition is so fierce in this segment that you have to give people a reason to purchase well i think that the you know the the details have been sweated it's very comfortable and um the i i do like the the material choice on the seats and the dash and the 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 stuff you touch is good Mm -hmm. Um, nothing there feel, felt cheap to me. I like that integrated screen in the dash. Um, it's tech is good actually. Uh, mm. you know, it integrates with CarPlay. It's, it's fast. It connects really easy. It has wireless CarPlay, which is, oh, actually this nice. doesn't have wireless CarPlay. I look for it, but oh. it doesn't have it. Um, but that, that's funny to me because I prefer wired CarPlay anyway, because you just plug it in with a cable and you're done. Wireless CarPlay gets you back to Bluetooth where you got to fiddle with stuff. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's a, I'm I'm interested to what you say about the value proposition, Sam, because it, it seems like a good value to me at fifty grand. Well, the thing is, though, you know, if you, especially, you know, if you look at the base price, you know, about thirty six thousand, you know, it seems fine. But when you actually start adding on equipment and then comparing it to competitors, like you know, especially the sport, you know, the the clear competitor to that one is the Acura RDX, and you know, when I, at the time when it, you know, when I did the launch drive, you know, I compared it, you know, with the same equipment, the uh, XT4 came to like 56,000 for compared to the same, roughly the same equipment on an RDX A spec, you know, which was $48,000. So it was like $8,000 more. Yeah, but you don't have to fight with the accurate infotainment That's, that's true. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that other manufacturers put on, you know, as standard equipment, uh, yeah. especially in terms of like driver assist features. The Cadillac is still nickel and diming customers. Yeah, on. which drives there's, me crazy. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that they, refu- for whatever reason, they're still refusing to include as standard equipment 
you know, things like, you know, collision warning and, and lane departure uh, assist and, you know, adaptive cruise control that you can get as standard equipment on cars that are, you know, one third of the price or half the price, you know, and you, you're paying an extra thousand or fifteen hundred dollars for some of these things on the Cadillac. And that's that's where the value proposition starts to fall apart is when you start using the options list. It gets very expensive very quickly compared to the the other vehicles in the segment. Yeah. Okay. That that's fair. And I think that the RDX actually probably outdrives it um, without being as harsh. Mm. Uh, the the Cadillac looks better, a lot better. <laughs> if you buy on style, um, I like the RDX, but I, I just like I, I'm forgiving a lot on the XT4 because I I do think it's it's such a fantastic design. You know, what it reminds me of it. It reminds me of um. It it feels very sobby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not crying but like the no. old brand so. yeah yeah <laughs> like, like the just... nine the 94x yeah you know and, yeah, and i i i think that you know that was i wouldn't be surprised if that was you know that there were people that worked on the 94x that were involved in this thing um you know and still you know were sad that the 94x went away without ever really having a chance in the market you know there were they only built about 2000 or so of them before Saab was discontinued, and every once in a while around here, around Michigan here, you'll you can spot them. You spot one on the road because they did sell a couple thousand of them. But um, you know, it's it's unfortunate. But you're right. You know, this does have kind of that that same feel as the 94X did. Yeah, very it's, similar it's, size. It's good. Um, yeah. I think it's it's it is it's a it's in a tough segment though, um, and so we'll see if it's good enough to really help them stand out. But uh, I'm impressed with it uh, overall. I think that it it is really, it's what Cadillac needs to be doing. You know, they've spent 10 or 12 years fiddling around perfecting the sedan that nobody's going to buy. They've done a really good job at it. One element of the design that I, that I really like that is really functional is um, the side glass. You know, when you, if you look at it, you'll notice that the, mm. the side glass on the rear doors actually extends back quite far and, you know, the, relative to where the, the back seats are. And a lot of cars, a lot of modern, you know, crossovers in this segment, you know, you sit in that back seat and you turn your head to the side and you see the pillar there. You, you're not, you're not, you don't have glass right beside you. Yeah, that C pillar um, is huge in some right. in some cases. And in this case, you know, the rear side glass, you know, the, the the glass on the rear doors is actually extends back quite a ways. So when you're sitting in the back seat, you look out, you can actually see out of the car, which is I think really nice for anybody that's sitting in the back. Well, and that goes to to the design aesthetic also. Mm-hmm. And I think I agree. It's it's great for kids too. You yeah. know, which and and for 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 regular people for adults as well <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's, there's, kids are not regular people that is true <laughs> no, you're right so i mean that and and you know to dan's point that's part of the design aesthetic i think it's a beautiful looking vehicle i like the headlamps a lot i like the tail lamps i think they're really cool there it's it's definitely distinctive on the road i i agree though i i think that Focusing on the athleticism, when it then in turn compromises the other parts of the experience, it's not really where this vehicle needs to be. Yeah, 
Yeah, so you know what, retune the suspension and and we'll all be happy. But um, and, and you know, I think price wise too, this is this is crappy to say, but uh, it's not it's not going to sell for sticker. It's gonna yeah. be rebates. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think the price it. is bad though. I mean, the base is thirty five, premium is forty. That's a big jump, but. And then sport is 41. You get a lot for the premium luxury, that middle trim line. And I'm always a fan of middle trim. I think that it's a good, it's always a good compromise, but. But there's, there's still a lot of stuff that's not included at that. Yeah. Price. Right. Like I'm, su- right. I'm surprised with the sport. It doesn't have the adaptive sport suspension. You got to pay like another two grand or 1800 bucks for that. Which is yeah. Like, that's annoying. Sport, you know? That, that the accountants had the last word kind of thing is very annoying. So let's let's dive right into the F one fifty then. Uh, last uh, Monday now Thursday night, uh, Ford unveiled the new F one fifty twenty twenty one F one fifty, and you know as usual it's all new. Um, and <laughs> you know, I wish they wouldn't say that. You know, funny thing is you look at it, uh, especially if you look at it from the side, it doesn't actually look any different. You know, I've been seeing these things on the road here. You know, with light camel, I'm just the wrap on the front and the back for more than six months. And the first time I saw one, you know, I had to do a double take to figure out, is that the 2021 or, or not? You know, because, um, you know, it looked just like the 2020. Um, and there are details, especially when you see the front without any camel on it. The front definitely looks, you know, looks different. Uh, you know, they have revised the front end. Uh, the sheet metal is all different on the sides. It doesn't look dramatically different, but it is, it is, you know, new dyes, you know, so that it's but all, is the average consumer really going to appreciate this? Cause they don't pro- look that different. Pro- probably not. I think um, though, that's sort of the, the point um, yeah. because people are so religious about their trucks that. Right. Yeah, I mean, Ford, Ford sold over 900,000 F series last year. Yeah. The stats on like when they compared it to the, the, um, iPhone. I mean, those are fantastic yeah. stats. I, I absolutely, I get that. And it's, oh, it's a handsome truck. I mean, yeah. it oh, looks yeah. great. It does. And the, the outgoing one actually was one of the better looking ones over yes. the last however many years too. They, that, uh, what was that? Gordon Plato who designed the last one and it, it came from a, a, a show show car. Um, yeah. And, and, and this like, one, it just looked great. And this, this looks really good too. Yeah. You have code is the, uh, the, um, chief engineer for North American trucks now. And I'm not sure if he was the design lead for the F-150, but he was the one who was involved in the briefing last week and talked about it. And, you know, it does, it does look good. I mean, and it, you know, it looks like a truck, you know, well, which better. is what, what you, you expect. That's, that's the yeah. thing. You look across town at, at GM and I know that those designs are polarizing, but they look a lot better than they did a couple yeah. of years ago. And then Ram is always a style leader. So, right. But the, you know, the, the, thing, the thing that's really important about this truck is not the way it looks on the outside. It's all the stuff that's under the skin and also in the cabin. You know, obviously, you know, because of the, the current situation with the pandemic, they couldn't do a live in-person reveal the way they had planned. Um, and originally, this one was supposed to be, we were supposed to see this back in April, I think. Yeah, April was when, was when they originally scheduled the, uh, um, the backgrounder for this. Um, and, you know, so the, it was all done online. You know, all we've seen is photos of it. But the interior does look much better than before. You know, one of the complaints I think we've all had about the, F, the F-150 is that while the interior is very functional, it, it has felt kind of cheap, especially compared to the Ram, you know, hard plastics and, 
it, it never felt up to the same level of premium, even even in a limited or king ranch, it never felt to the same level as a corresponding Ram. And this one, at least from the photos, looks like it's a lot closer. We'll see when we actually see it in person, but it, it definitely looks a lot better. And they've done some really interesting design things. Like one of the things they talked about was uh, the fact that a lot of truck users, you know, especially you know, people use it as a work truck, they, they use their computer in the truck. They use a laptop in the truck. And, you know, in the past, you know, a lot of them have, you know, gotten these brackets that you can mount, mount your laptop on that hangs over the, the center console. What they did for this new F-150 is when you put it in park, you know, they, um, they found from their consumer research that truck buyers actually really like to have a traditional type of shifter on the center console, not a push button or a rotary knob set up. They, want, they wanted the traditional shifter, but they also wanted that console space. So they made it so that when the, when the truck is in park, you can then fold down the shifter into a little cavity in front of it. So it makes a, you know, it, it's out of the way. And then the top half of the center armrest folds over. So you have a big flat work surface available to you that you can use to write on or put your computer on there or whatever, whatever you want to do. You know, so little details like that are really important in this thing. That's really cool. That's a yeah. very, very clever. It's a, it's a great way and I see what you mean some of the, on some of the photos. It's a great way to, to meet a customer's needs uh, when it's, and, and especially, as you said, when it's appropriately, if you're putting it in a park, rather than having, having somebody fumble with, you know, trying to use the cup holder or whatever. And, then, and I do see they actually have cup holders behind it so mm -hmm. you can move your drinks to right behind that. Uh, so if you do have like a cup of coffee or something next to the shifter, there's actually cup holders behind what becomes that table. Um, that's really, really clever design. I like that. Yeah. And another interesting detail in the interior is uh, a pop-up uh, lockable storage bin underneath the rear seat. So um, you can fold up the rear seat, you know, as you, as you always have been able to in the crew cabs um, and have a large flat floor area, but then, in the floor area, you can pop up a storage bin and, and put stuff in there. And then you, when you put the seat down, you can actually lock the seat with, with the key. Oh, that's and clever. So you can store stuff in there and it's locked in. And you can actually lock uh, either side from the left or the right independently. So you can have one side that's locked and the other side that's not. If you want uh, you know, easier access to some stuff, but you want to keep other stuff secured. Uh, so you can, you know, if you're not using it for storage, you can fold that down, have that whole area, you know, at, you know, for cargo inside the cabin or use that and have it lockable for security. Really cool stuff. Powertrain wise, um, you know, same five engines you have now from the 3.3 liter naturally aspirated V6, the 2.7 and the 3.5 EcoBoost, the 5 liter V8 and the 3 liter diesel um, all what? have got... All have gotten some, gotten some <laughs> upgrades. But now you also have, in addition to EcoBoost, you have PowerBoost, which, Power is, which uh. is the new hybrid. Um, so it's, it's basically the same hybrid system that's on the Explorer. Uh, 35 kilowatt motor uh, paired with the 10-speed automatic. Um, and, um, but where the Explorer puts the hybrid with the 3.3 liter naturally aspirated V6, the F-150 gets it with the 3.5 EcoBoost. And they're saying this is going to be the, 
the most powerful and highest torque light duty truck on the market when it comes up. Um, so presumably that means it's going to be, you know, more than the 450 horsepower that's in the Raptor today. Um, and, you know, more, certainly more than the 400 plus horsepower you get from the V8s and the Ram and the, um, and the, uh, uh, and the GM trucks. Um, and it'll have over 12,000 pounds of towing capacity with the hybrid, which is something that when GM did their two mode hybrids on their pickups 10 years ago, they only got 6,000 pounds of towing capability. So this is going to have, you know, no compromise on the towing, uh, which is good. And then the other thing that they have is something that they actually first talked about a couple of years ago when they first said they were going to do the hybrid pickup is an onboard generator. Uh, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of work truck users um, have to carry along a gas generator to power their tools and stuff at a work site. For the hybrids, it's going to have standard, what they call uh, power on demand. Um, so the base setup on the hybrid you get um, 2.4 uh, kilowatt output, and there's going to be three 120 volt AC plugs in the back corner of the bed that you can use to plug in your tools and, and equipment. Um, and then there's an optional 7.2 kilowatt output version, you know, which is enough to pretty much power most of your house. Um, and that, <laughs> in addition to the AC plugs, it'll also have a 240 volt outlet on there, you know, to power your really tools your, your MIG welder to power your like electric that. vehicle charger yeah yeah so you know when when uh you know when you come across a, a tesla that's standard and slanted stranded thank you stranded on the side of the road with a dead battery you can plug them in and Rare. charge them up um that's a really cool feature though so will that feature only be available on hybrid um that will be on the hybrids. On the gas engines, you'll also be able to get uh, a built-in power-on-demand generator, but that's only going to be two kilowatt output. Um, so that's going to be a, a little bit different system from what's in the hybrid because the hybrid's actually using the hybrid motor, the electric, the 35 kilowatt motor for the right. hybrid system. And uh, on the hybrid, you know, if you're using the the 2.4 kilowatt version, it can actually run all that stuff off the battery for at least for as long as the battery's got charged, you know, and then it'll automatically start the engine. With the gas engines, obviously, it's going to be running the engine all the time when you're using that. But, you know, that's still going to be probably uh, cheaper to run, more efficient and cleaner emissions than what you would get from a typical gas generator, you know, portable gas generator that you're going to bring along. It's cool. It looks like they really put some nice features in. I'm looking at uh, the in the bed there's an array of plugs available mm -hmm. like two like 110 volt yep and like i mean i don't know all the different ones but it, it's plug in your dryer yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean plug in my coffee maker right there yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, well, I mean if you're going camping you know you can you yeah. know, plug in your coffee maker and you know whatever your tv and whatever other stuff you want that doesn't no, sound it's, like camping. i mean i love the idea of tailgating with this yeah. You know, yeah. whenever we can go and watch sports again. Well, it's you know, uh, it's a really thoughtful redesign. And I think that's what, what sets it apart yeah. is the thought that they put into it. Yeah. And then, you know, one other thing that's, you know, uh, you know under the skin that you're not going to see, um, at least initially, is the new electronic architecture. So this truck has the same electronic architecture as the Mach-E, what, what Ford's calling their uh, network vehicle two architecture. So, you know, Currently, you know, vehicles like this typically have 75 to 100 
discrete computers scattered around, you know, electronic control units scattered around the vehicle to power all the different systems. With this new architecture, they've scaled that way down. They've consolidated that down and have several much larger, more powerful domain control computers that they call. Um, one of which is for all the driver assist features and, and things like that. And because of the way this is architected, you know, like the Mach-E, this will have uh, support for full over-the-air software updates. Nice. Uh, which means one of the features that's going to be available on this is Ford's new Active Drive Assist system, which is also coming to Mach-E, which is their hands-free uh, driver assist system, uh, very similar, basic, same basic concept as GM Super Cruise. Um, it's got um, infrared driver monitor cameras to, to watch you to make sure you're watching the road. Um, it's uh, geofenced. Uh, it's got you know, maps of divided highways, and it'll limit you to using it on divided highways. Um, but you can go completely hands-off. Uh, you just have to watch the road and be ready to take over. Um, that software is going to be available uh, middle of next year. Uh, but from start of production, you'll be able to get what they call the active prep package, which adds extra sensors on there. So you get extra radar sensors, get the driver monitor system, things like that. Uh, and then when the, uh, when the active drive assist stuff is ready, you can get an OTA update to turn on that functionality. And then they've promised that they'll be doing uh, other functional updates for the system as well over time. Um, that, they said for the Mach-E, they've talked about, you know, being on a cadence of about every six weeks for doing various kinds of updates um, to, uh, to the vehicle. And the F-150 is probably going to be similar. Solid update in Truckland that's um, super competitive. So, yeah. It'll uh, be a very interesting year for trucks. And then, you know, later next year, there will also be a fully battery electric version of this. Cool. I mean, it's just going to make the current... F-150 plummet in price, right? Because uh, everybody's going to want the new one, which is not what's going to happen because I decided oh. to move my car search from uh, E-Class wagons to now HT pickup trucks. <laughs> <laughs> and they're impossible to find unless they've been beaten to death. Um, uh, or there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Silverado 3500 in my neighborhood for sale. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> only 13 grand. Does it have rocker panels left? That seems to be uh, Seems to. I didn't see any significant rust on it. It's Cat a dually. Rust out. Yeah, that's that's a little much. I almost uh, <laughs> I almost went and tested over Ram Ram uh, thirty five hundred, and that that has a solid front axle. And it was just it was priced right and it was clean. And it's just like that is so much more truck than I actually need. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about the truck search as it continues. Well, let's let's dive into a couple of uh, listener questions then. All right. All right. So first one. Would buying a five-year-old, never winter-driven BMW 335i help with its reliability over one that's driven in winter? Does winter driving really affect anything mechanically? Dan? Uh, winter driving melts your car, but um, <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't really affect anything mechanically so much as you have to deal with the effects of corrosion. So where you're going to find winter driving issues is stuff like the, um, the, the braking system you know rotors and calipers and brake lines tend to to really bear the brunt of it because that stuff gets caked on there and sits um and then just corrosion uh, underneath i i honestly don't think that um a car that hasn't been driven in the winter is necessarily going to be any better than something that has been it may be less prone to corrosion again so you got to like check it 
uh, for, for, for rust in the body, but you're talking about a car that sits all winter. And so that means that it could get infested by mice or yeah. just, you know, depending on how it's stored, that's not good for it either. So, well, you know, and depending on where it is, you know, um, FF six who uh, sent us this question, uh, doesn't say where he is. Um, so, you know, if it's in a Southern state, you know, then it may be driven year round, just never driven in winter. Um, I agree with you, Dan. I think, you know, winter driving, you know, has its own issues, mostly around corrosion, but I think the the real problem you have with uh, a used BMW, uh, the reliability it's problems that have nothing to do BMW. with winter driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the three thirty five I. So, um, did he say what year? Uh, he says five years, five old, years old, so about a twenty fifteen. So it's going to be the the previous generation, the E F thirty six. Thirty six. Something like that. Uh, mm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, e, it went EFG, right? So yeah. it went from E90. So it no, could it, be an E90, but I F, think it's probably F70. F70? Is it F70? F30. F30, whatever. F30. Anyway, it, does, it doesn't really matter. It's the previous generation. Uh, I, I honestly buy in condition um, and just check carefully. It doesn't really matter when it's been driven, it's engineered to be driven in that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's more how many miles are on it. I mean, yeah. my mom had, uh, she had a five series wagon she never got above 40 miles an hour. You know, when I took it, I, it broke down every time, <laughs> you know, try to fluff up the engine and, you know, flush it out and the whole thing. And it was just, and it, it, the bottom line was the car just wasn't driven the way that it was supposed to be driven. So I think that the miles make a big difference. And sometimes the lower miles are more of a red flag than yep. slightly higher miles. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you want to really learn more about the joys of driving uh, an older, you know, used BMW, I highly suggest listening to a number of episodes of the Accidental Tech Podcast, where our friend of the show, Casey Liss, um, who formerly owned a 2008 or 9 uh, 330i, um, describes in, uh, in great detail, excruciating on, on, on excruciating detail <laughs> on numerous detail. occasions, is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, his the his joys of driving that car or owning that car, um, right up until the the bitter end when he finally got rid of it in favor of a Golf R. Uh, and I'll <laughs> I'll drop a link in the show notes to episode two ninety, uh, where he talks about the transition from the BMW to the the Golf R, uh, and you can you can hear all about that. And when we say bitter end, we mean bitter. Oh yes, bitter <laughs> <laughs> um, table for one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. All right. One, one more, um, my local GM dealer, this is from Eric White. My local GM dealer has a new 2019 Buick Regal Tour X for $11,000 off MSRP. They've had it for nearly a year. It's a tempting deal, but is it worth it? I like wagons and their practical, practicality, but how is the Tour X? Um, yes, take it. Don't, yes. don't wait. Go get it now. Really? You guys are that positive on that car? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It's great. Yeah. It, hmm. It's, it's, you know, it drives really well, despite it, you know, having too much ground clearance. Um, you know, it, you know, I think it looks great. It's, um, you know, it's quite roomy inside. You've got lots of cargo space in the back there. It's a wagon. So, you know, what more could you ask for? And no, it's um, true. It's, I mean, it sounds like it's a great deal. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I went on the reveal on the, on the launch a couple of years ago out in Colorado and it was great. And it was, it just, I, from, from a wagon standpoint, I think it's, it's terrific. I like the ride height a lot. I like having just a little bit higher 
a higher ride. Somebody, um, somebody owns one in my neighborhood and it catches my eye every time I, every time it goes by. It is. Yeah. It is a handsome car. I'll give it that. Like, I honestly, I haven't driven one. Um, so get on it, GM. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, before, uh, before they're all gone, before it goes away. Yeah. I, I mean, but it's, I, it's, yeah, it's, it's not like the, the it's not going to be like Saab where like you were talking about the nine, four X earlier, like that. The problem with that is like you crack a windshield is total because you just can't get one. Um, yeah. the, I don't think the Regal Tour X is going to be like that. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, the mechanical bits, you know, are, you know, mostly the same as what you find, you know, in a bunch of other GM cars, even though this one's built in Germany, you know, by Opel, uh, you know, which is now Peugeot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got, <laughs> it's got the same two liter four cylinder that you'll find, you know, and the nine speed transmission that you'll find in that XT4 and a bunch of other GM, uh, transverse engine cars. Uh, you know, so you're not going to have an issue getting parts for this thing. And, you know, of the, the three trim levels, you know, the Essence, which is the top trim level with all-wheel drive, uh, goes for 36 grand. So, you know, e- even if it's in Essence, you know, 11 grand off of that, you're talking, you know, $20,000. Uh, $25, if you can get a Tour X for 25 grand or less, I'd say don't, don't hold off. Go get it. You know, it's, yeah, that's a really a, good deal. It is a really good car. And, you know, Rebecca and I both, you know, reviewed the thing. Uh, and I'll put links to both of those articles uh, in the show notes. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's an excellent choice. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Oh, well, right. I think that's it. I think we're done. Oh, uh, one, one last thing. I did oh. have a chance uh, last uh, Thursday uh, before the reveal of the F-150 to uh, spend 15 minutes chatting with Ford CEO Jim Hackett uh, about uh, you know, some of the things that Ford's doing. Um, you know his uh, his approach to uh, human centered design, as it's as it's often called, and and unleashing the talent within Ford. And had some interesting things to say. So I will uh, we're gonna uh, we'll roll out with that uh, Jim Hackett interview uh, right after this. All awesome. right, that's that's a it's kind of an important thing to tack on at the end there. Like, oh yeah. yeah, by the way, oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> talk with like the top guy at Ford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's good. Uh, so stay tuned and then uh, keep dropping us questions and uh, give us feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear from our audience. So uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Bye. Thanks, everyone. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.